You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. With today's, hey, good morning. Let's go ahead and get started with today's walk talk. Before I begin, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I have written seven books so far. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. If you have read any of my books, I would greatly appreciate a review. Please go back to Amazon and leave me a review for each book. I have a podcast. The name of the podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan, available on all of your favorite podcasting apps. You might be listening to the podcast right now, but it is currently being recorded live with the studio audience. I also have a YouTube channel. If you enjoy the YouTube format, you want to see me when I talk, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor, which is going to be today's walk talk subject, is only used once in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to get to that today in great detail. But I don't want you to put any confidence in any individual person. I want you to be confident in who you are as a child of God and who Jesus is. And then together. So let's take our focus off of individual people, put it back on who we are in Christ and who Jesus is. I don't know everything. (laughs) So that takes the pressure off of you. That takes the pressure off of me. And I could just share with you what we know, what I know so far. And I hope it helps you come to understand who Jesus is and who you are. If you want to contact me, I always welcome your interaction. To get a hold of me, simply go to my website and go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. So let's go ahead and get to today's Walk Talk. Can women be pastors? Ooh, there's some fighting words. I wonder what answer he's going to give. Oh, because my pastor says this. Oh, my pastor says that. So let's just, how about we do this? <laughs> let's let's read the Bible in context. And let's also look at a, a, a few other things that have happened along the way in regard to humanity and this word named pastor. Now, when we look at scripture and I always welcome you guys to study along with me. Of course, you can't do it while I'm doing this live, but if you are listening to this in the future, you can always pause this and you can look these things up yourself. I welcome that. I do recommend that you use a website called Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway, if you go to that website, you could type in the word pastor. You can type in the word, any, any, any word you can come up with. And it will show you all of the locations in each individual letter in each in each individual part of the Bible. It'll show you where it's at. So when we do that and we type in the word pastor, it only shows up one time in the New Testament. Now, keep in mind, we live on this side of the cross. Christ has brought in the new covenant. Everything we see in the old covenant has been fulfilled in Christ. So when we read the old covenant, we have to read it with our sunglasses on and we have to read it in the same way as we know the ending to a story before the story begins. So we don't need to take it out of scripture. We need to respect it. 
but just know the cross happened. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. Boom, Jesus happened. Everything behind Jesus was retrofit into Jesus. It was complete. So now on this side of the cross, we see the word pastor once. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter four, and it is listed along with some other supernatural gifts. The problem is our modern church has turned the word pastor into what we see today because it's not in the, what we see today in regard to the title or position of pastor is not in the Bible. Okay. Okay. I just want to let that sink in because getting ready to talk about that and I'm getting ready to explain how things have happened in the manner that it's happened and, and how it's come to the um, spot that it's at of what we see today. Now, when we look at Ephesians chapter four, we see the word pastor, we see some other spiritual gifts. Along with that, we don't see any list of qualifications to be a pastor. So what's that tell you? Pastors have no qualifications, okay? We also see no authority, okay? So what's that tell you? Pastors, what we see today that create a position has no authority according to the Bible. In fact, nobody has authority over you on this side of the cross. Qualifications for elders and deacons, yes, and I'm gonna get to that, but no authority. Now we do see in Hebrews chapter 13, an authority mentioned, but the only authority in the book of Hebrews is the message about Jesus. That's it. There was no church. There was no pastors. There was no deacon board. There was no elder board. Their only authority was if you don't repent from Judaism, animal sacrifices toward belief in the once for all forgiveness of Jesus, his blood, a fearful expectation of fire and judgment is coming upon you. That was their only authority. So we can't go to book of Hebrews and say that's a pastor with authority. It's not because the book of Ephesians is the only location that uses the word pastor. All right. Now, some translations don't even say pastor. It says shepherd. So what is a pastor? According to scripture, it is an overseer. It is a shepherd. It is somebody who is good at overseeing a group. Okay, now our modern church wants to superimpose onto your mind that that is what we see on Sunday, but it's not because that is nowhere in scripture. We don't see that. No New Testament letter, none of the gospels, not even acts, do we see an individual person, much less an individual person with the title or position of pastor in charge. It's not there. It's completely absent. There's no hierarchies. There's no top-down authority. We are a body of Christ. We are a group. Okay? So I want to help you understand that if you are giving somebody authority over you because they have that title of pastor, that's not in the Bible. You don't have to do that. You are free. That's hard to hear hard to understand, but I welcome you to not just continue to eat what you're fed, go back to the Bible, 
Read the Bible. Read what it says about the word pastor. I'm going to get to the other positions, so just relax. And they're not positions according to the Bible. Now, so where did this all begin? <laughs> Why do we see what we see today? Where we have one person named pastor and they seem to be in charge, but according to the Bible, they're not. It's because of man. Man has come up with this. This first notion of a person named pastor began back in the first century by an individual with the name of Ignatius, Ignatius, however you say his name, of Antioch. This individual took this one word out of scripture, created a position, gave himself the title of pastor, even though that's not a title in the Bible, even though that's not a position in the Bible. Said, I'm in charge. Nobody can do anything unless I'm present. Okay? The people around him believed him. This continued. So then he gave other people the title, the position of pastor, and then pastors put other pastors in charge, pastors put other pastors in charge, and it snowballed into what we see today. About 250 AD, it was commonplace. Now, if you are really interested in this type of subject, church history, there's a really good friend of mine, an authentic elder named Mike Adams. I highly recommend you follow his podcast, subscribe to his podcast. It is called The Unsunday Show. The Unsunday Show with Mike Adams. So be sure to subscribe, follow his podcast, okay? He's on Instagram, he's on TikTok, um, he's on YouTube, and he's a really good friend of mine. And he is the true definition of what an elder is. And I'm gonna get to what an elder is. But these things that I've learned about church history, we, we attempt to make our church ignore it as if it didn't happen. But we need to go back and get to the bottom of this. Because if the Bible doesn't say an individual person is a pastor with a title, because there's other gifts listed along with that in, in Ephesians chapter 4, then we need to understand why. Why is it like this? Church history will help. Okay. Study that. Get involved with people who understand church history and also understand the new covenant. And allow your mind to be renewed. Don't just look around you and believe that's the truth. Don't just be spoon-fed this is the truth. Pastors are in charge. It's a position. Obey your pastor because the Bible never says that. <laughs> Again, obeying your leaders is in Hebrews chapter 13. That's the only spot. And what was the only thing that they needed to obey in the book of Hebrews? The obedience of faith, repenting from Judaism towards the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. Okay. So we can't just listen to what everybody says. Obey your leaders. Well, I know the truth about that. Well, that pastor's in charge. You need to go to him for wise counsel. Well, according to scripture, <laughs> that's not what a pastor is. Okay. So can women be pastors? Can women be pastors? So I wanted to kind of put that foundation out there in regard to what, uh, what a pastor is. Because 
when you just get on here and you say, can women be pastors? And you say, yep, it's confusing. So I think that some of the best things we could possibly do when we're trying to explain the good news of the gospel is to sh just explain it in further detail if, if you can, but also say what you're not saying. Okay, so here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying disrespect people who find their identity in that erroneous, non-biblical position. Love them. Respect them. You don't have to call them out. Okay, find commonality. Build bridges. Okay, so, but let's go ahead and let's dive deep into this. Can women be pastors? Today I'm going to talk about several different sections of scripture that a lot of people will use in order to say, no, they cannot be pastors. But first of all, we just established where the word pastor came from, what the Bible says about that single reference to pastors. Okay, there are some, this is so ingrained in certain people's consciences. Um, even females will get insulted by this, by the truth that women can be pastors because the word pastor is not a position. The word pastor is a supernatural gift of overseeing or leading. Okay. The, the, the perfect example of what a pastor gift is, is what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. He is the good shepherd. Okay. He, he was always interacting with people, loving them, um, preaching the true standards of the law. <laughs> so Jesus is the ultimate pastor. So if God gives a female that particular gift to be able to be an overseer, who are we to say God can't do that? This is how it has come to this point. It's because we have come up with what we see today as the quote pastor. Because it started in the first century by Ignatius of Antioch. And then it continued on as pastors put other pastors in charge and created a position out of this because it's not a position according to scripture. Some females will even be insulted by this because they're used to that complementarian environment. They're just, they're used to it. So when I tell them you're free, you're free. You, you could be it, it, any, anything <laughs> that God wants you to be and you can express your supernatural gift of pastoring and it necessarily doesn't have anything to do with somebody who's on stage, they get insulted by that. But I wanna help them understand this freedom. And you know, one of the number one reasons why I'm so passionate about this topic is because I have a daughter and she's extremely type A like me in regard to her personality. She can lead, <laughs> she might have that gift. So when Grace listens to my walk talks years and years down the road, or when Grace watches my YouTube videos, I always do these YouTube videos as if Grace is watching me. And I want Grace to know you can do anything, okay? You can do anything. Never listen to what a man says or a female says about what God can do in you and through you, okay? So let's go ahead and Let's, let's dive deep into the handful of scriptures that a lot of churches will use and a lot of um, erroneous theologians will use. God love them. You know, I'm not saying they're false prophets. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying they learned this pastor error. They believed it and it's continued on. 
even in some of my books, I wrote as if the pasture is a position. So you can, when you read my books, you'll see my maturation process of coming out of certain errors. And I think that's, that's fine. We all don't know everything at once. Okay. Now the, the passages we're going to go over today, first Timothy two, first Timothy three, first Corinthians 14 and first Corinthians 11. So if you want to mark those, okay, these are the, um, quote, air quotes, cornerstone passages people will use to say women can't be pastors. Now here is the thing. <laughs> and this will just blow this all out of the water before I even begin talking about these individual verses. The word pastor is not in first Timothy. The word pastor is not in first Corinthians. tough. I know. I know because you've been taught it so many times. I'm not going to have a woman preach at my church. I'm going to have a man. Ain't no, ain't no woman going to preach in my pulpit. I'm going to have a man. You ever heard some stuff like that? Boy, I have. Ain't no woman going to get up here in my pulpit. It'd be silent. Hmm. It's funny how you say that. <laughs> I like how you have to uh, be out of control and disrespectful to get your point across. It's tough. I know it's tough. But you know, if that's how you think, if that's how you preach, if that's how you talk, there's freedom for you too, friend. You know, the Holy Spirit will always lead you into self-control. And I know it's frustrating when we come to the realization that we're equal with women. I know it's frustrating to you that when we look back at scripture, the word pastor is not in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. It's not even in Titus. We have named these letters the pastoral letters because we want them to be pastoral letters <laughs> because it fits the church agenda, this institution, this religious business. <laughs> That's why you want it to be in there. But the Bible doesn't say anything about a pastor in any of these letters. Therefore, you cannot use 1 Timothy 2. I'm going to get to it. Just pump your brakes. I know. I know. Therefore, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Timothy, 1 Corinthians cannot be used for your case to say women can't be pastors. <laughs> because it's not there, buddy. Okay? I know you're watching. I know you watch. I get your messages. I see it. I ignore it. I delete it. <laughs> and you cannot use 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 3, 1 Corinthians 11 to say women can't be pastors because women can be pastors if God gives them that supernatural gift. So let's talk about it. All right. And I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk about this gently and patiently and I'm going to be myself. So, when we look at the book of 1 Timothy, okay, people want to say Timothy was a pastor. We're coming up with that. Was he a pastor? Maybe. But here's the thing. The word pastor as a position wasn't created until around 100 AD. Timothy was written before that. Ignatius of Antioch, who came up with this position, wasn't even involved with this group, <laughs> okay? So we can't say when Paul was writing to Timothy, he's writing to Pastor Timothy, young old Pastor Timothy. Don't let anybody disrespect you because of your age. You can be a pastor. That's not the context, <laughs> okay? 
you know, same with Titus. Th- this is not this is not about a pastor because the pastor word's not there. So when we look at the book of First Timothy, Paul is fueling Timothy up with some rebuttals, so to speak, because Timothy was facing an infiltration in this group. Okay, at this time, even historians will tell you there was a feminist movement, a feminist cult who followed the goddess Diana. Okay, now this group said childbirth is of no value. Family life is of no value. Eve was not deceived first. It was Adam. Men are stupid. Okay, so they were coming in basically wearing bikinis at that time and you got Timothy who's probably neurotic because Paul even told him to drink some red wine for his stomach ailments tried to help him out okay so Timothy that's the context when Paul writes letters he's facing some type of issue that that group of Christians were facing that's what Timothy was facing okay so we got this group of women who were trying to overthrow the men this is why he says in first timothy 2 i do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man other translations say i do not permit a woman to preach then the next part says have authority over a man over as in they're greater than men they're not greater than men we're equal men and women are equal in every single way because of christ okay (laughs) And if we want to say that this is not the case, then Jesus is an idiot because Jesus chose a woman in John chapter four to be the very first evangelist. So if that very first woman who went to tell people about Jesus wasn't able to teach or preach or say anything about Jesus, then Jesus is in error. Do you see it? So we have to have context. We've got to pan back. We've got to read all of first Timothy two, and we have to see that these were quarrelsome women angry, disruptive. You know, that word over a man in the Aramaic translation, I believe it is, it says usurped, U-S-U-R-P-T or something like that. And that means to take position of, to overthrow. This is a mutiny. This is women trying to take over the church. And they were saying family life means nothing. This is exactly why Paul said childbirth now saves you. If childbirth saved a woman, the heck with Jesus. We just need to be having sexual relations with all these different females so that they'll be saved. Do you see it? He was saying the family family life is of value, Timothy. Let them know that. The family life is of value. (laughs) Okay. And again, pastor is not there. Pastor's not there. Okay, let's go on to the next chapter. 1 Timothy 3. This is a cornerstone passage for those who push sexism, who push misogyny, who love complementarianism because they can just tell their women to sit down, shut up, be on call sex objects, and go make me a sandwich, the Bible says. No, sir. Not the context. Also, it's not talking about being a pastor. So you can't use 1 Timothy 3 and say, right there, women can't be pastors. 1 Timothy 3, look right here. No, pump your brakes there, Speedy. Doesn't say anything about women being pastors or not being pastors. Paul is giving Timothy 
advice to have elders around him. Okay, this is qualifications for elders. And it also says deacons, which is the same exact thing. This is not a pastor. This is not a bishop. The word bishop is not in the most updated translations. So this has nothing to do with the woman not having the ability to be a pastor. Some people, <laughs> relax, McMillan, don't even start today. Just, just say, say you're a, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay. Some people, some people will even say, well, this is about being a senior pastor. You can't be a senior pastor, but you could be a, a, a sub pastor or you can teach children. The word pastor is not there. Where are you coming up with this? Error. <laughs> but do you see what Satan has done? He's stuck this pastor, quote, position into the minds of countless children of God. And they cannot fathom what a pastor is, according to scripture. They're believing what Ignatius of Antioch came up with. <laughs> Man-made tradition that was passed down. And pastors put pastors and pastors and pastors in charge and said, woman, need to shut, shut up, sit down. You're not permitted to teach. It is dishonorable. Blah. It's all error. Okay. First Timothy three doesn't say anything about people being a senior pastor. First Timothy three doesn't say anything about ch teaching children and having a sub pastor position. Okay. So can women be pastors? Yes. Does first Timothy three say they can't be pastors? No, this is about elders, elders. What is an elder? It is simply somebody who is mature in the faith. Any religion has elders. <laughs> Tribal religions have elders. Judaism had elders. There were elders and teachers of the law who followed Jesus around trying to trap him in his words. An elder simply means somebody who is older or mature in the faith. That's it. That's why I said Mike Adams with the Unsunday show is an authentic elder because he knows the new covenant and he loves people <laughs> and he guides them with gentleness and patience and kindness. And, you know, he's just, he's Mike Adams with the Unsunday show is the very definition of what our modern church needs to define what an elder is. Okay. And he is a good friend of mine. And if it wasn't for Mike Adams, if it wasn't for Mike Adams, I wouldn't be doing this walk talk. If it wasn't for Mike Adams, I wouldn't have a podcast because he encouraged me. He helped me. He was always patient with me. And he, he, he always says, you can do this. You can start the podcast. You can, you can talk too. It's not just about your writings. Your books are great, but he's an encourager. That is the very definition of what an elder is. But our modern church says an elder is somebody, you know, who's standing in the aisle, keeping, keeping watch on everybody or somebody who, you know, they get to go, they get to go up on stage with the, with the pastor, you know? Yeah. We're so proud of so-and-so and you know, that's an elder. That's not an elder. That's man-made tradition. True elders are those who know the gospel. True elders are those who understand your once for all forgiveness in Christ. True elders are those who will let you be mature, be immature in certain areas because they're not going to pressure you into anything. And they're always going to be available to get a hold of. That's what a true elder is. Okay. Somebody who loves you. First Timothy three, 
He's given qualifications for elders. Now, because our modern church struggles with sexism and complementarianism so much, they don't see that in 1 Timothy 3. They pick out the word husband. Boom, right there, Macmillan. You can't be an elder unless you're a male. It's not the context. That is not the context whatsoever. I mean, after all, Paul just said, or Paul told the Galatians that there's neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ. So what's he talking about when he says husband of one wife? Now, the person who struggles with sexism, subjugation, abuse, they will say right there, right there, it says a husband. You're, you're a false prophet. It's a husband. That's not the context. The context is one wife, one spouse, one spouse. <laughs> That's the context. This is not about a man. This is about somebody having an individual partner, husband of one wife. Okay. He, he <laughs> Paul even tells Timothy, if you can't keep your household in order, how are you going to guide anybody? So if I'm practicing polygamy and polygamy was a thing in this culture, this is Corinth or excuse me, where was Timothy? I think Timothy was in Ephesus. Either way, he was in a Greek city. Okay. The culture practiced polygamy. Polygamy is not God's idea. God's original design was for one man, one woman in the context of lifelong commitment. Okay. Humanity came up with polygamy. Well, we see it all over in the Old Testament. Yeah, we see lots of things happen in the Old Testament that God did not agree with, but he allows it because he gives people free will. So if Timothy has somebody in this group who wants to guide other people in Christ, but yet they have five different wives, all their wives are fighting with each other all the time. He can't keep track of everything. His kids are going crazy. You can't be an elder. Get things in order. Okay? Then we'll talk about it in the future. Plus, you don't want to mess with that. You've got other things to worry about at home. Okay, so this is about one spouse. <laughs> this is not about a man. But they'll say, husband of one wife. The key word is one. Okay, that's the context. So let's go on. And again, nothing about being a pastor. So clearly, can women be pastors? Yep, so far, so good. First Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 3. Sure does look to me like uh, women can be pastors. What else? All right, let's go. To <laughs> I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I'm having a great time today. Uh, what else? Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. So in 1 Corinthians 14, this is another, you know, <laughs> ace up my sleeve and proving to you that women need to shut up. They ain't even allowed, permitted. They ain't even permitted to speak in church, McMillan says it right there in the Bible. You know what else the Bible says? The Bible also says, don't touch a bird if it's in a bird's nest. Context matters. <laughs> the Bible also says, don't trim the, the sides of your beards. The side of your beard. Context matters. Okay, so what's the context behind the letter to the crazy Corinthians? There's the context right there. 
So th this is not a letter to the Hebrews. This is not a letter to the well-behaved Jews who had 613 different ways to behave. And they didn't do all that all that fornicating, drinking, smoking, cussing, uh, worshiping other gods, having other idols. They didn't do all that stuff. Oh, no. Those were the well-behaved Jews. But them crazy Corinthians... They got sexual sexual immorality. They got homosexuality. They got incest. They got all these things. Do you see it? He is addressing this church gone wild, so to speak. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, uh, it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in church. It is dishonorable for a woman to speak in church. Okay, if you just go to 1 Corinthians 14 and you pull out that one scripture, you're like, what in the world is this? I don't like this. And you should have that attitude because this is one of the worst cases of verse-itis out there. This individual passage in 1 Corinthians 14 where it says, a woman is not permitted to speak in church. It is dishonorable for a woman to speak in church. Oh, they love it. The men who get up, oh, yes, go home. Go home. You can't speak. Go home. You can't speak. They love it. But it's not the context. What's the context? First of all, first of all, let's talk about the word church from 1 Corinthians 14. This is not what we see today. This was written in 50 AD. The first church building wasn't even erected until around 200 AD. So this is not about a church building with a pastor on stage. Remember, pastor, that, that position wasn't created yet. It was created by Ignatius of Antioch around 100 AD. Making some sense now? Okay, so this wasn't a church building. This doesn't have a church hierarchy. This doesn't have anything to do with what we see today. So when you see that word church, it's describing this individual group. Okay, they gathered at each other's homes. So imagine this. And 1 Corinthians 14, real quickly, is about order. It's about, Paul even says, God is not a God of disorder. Okay, it's about order, keeping things, you know, within order. This group of Christians, imagine this. Imagine, imagine you, were, you were a citizen of Corinth back in 50 AD. And this Christian, this, these people who followed the way, invited you to this person's home. You walked in. And as soon as you walked in, you have people speaking foreign languages all at the same time. You got somebody over here singing. You got somebody over here speaking real loudly about Jesus. You got these women asking their husbands questions in the middle of all of this. And it is insane. <laughs> Paul said, if you have visitors, they're going to think you're mad. Everybody was doing everything at the same time. This is about church order. This is about if I have a home church or I have any type of gathering, everybody needs to share what they need to share individually after one another. Take, take your time, okay? And for the women, ask your husbands those questions at home. That's the context. Asking your husbands, your husband, those questions at home. So... This has nothing to do with a female never being able to speak in church. <laughs> it has to do with all of these different women 
talking at the same time, asking their husbands questions at the same time, speaking in tongues, uh, uh, you know, people singing hymns, everything happening at once. It's about church order. Okay, women can speak and women can speak in church as well. Why do I say that? And again, this has nothing to do with pastor. The word pastor's not there. Hello? I'm gonna emphasize that today. The word pastor is not in 1 Corinthians. So can women be a pastor? Yeah, because 1 Corinthians doesn't say they can't be. But if we go back to 1 Corinthians 11, <laughs> Paul says women are able to prophesy. What does the word prophesy mean? To speak. Sorry, I'm having connection issues here. What does the word prophesy mean? To speak. The word prophesy means to speak. <laughs> so if it's dishonorable for a female or a woman to speak in church in 1 Corinthians 14, but yet in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said women can prophesy. What's, what's going on here? In 1 Corinthians 14, they were all talking at the same time. Okay? Nobody's going to be able to edify one another with their gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, women should prophesy. Women should speak. And if you're prophesying, what is, what is prophesying on this side of the cross? He tells us. Edification, consolation, encouragement. If I edify you, if I build you up, what am I building you up in? Your once for all forgiveness and your righteousness. If I console you, what would I be consoling you with? Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He has good plans for your life. He'll work this out. If I encourage you, I encourage you with what Jesus has done at the cross and who you are. That's what prophesying is. Paul even says it in the same letter. It is for edification, consolation, encouragement. It is not about future telling. Prophecy is future telling. And all prophecy has been fulfilled in Christ. <laughs> okay? That's why Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past, God spoke through the prophets. Now that Christ is here, he speaks to us through his son. So if anybody ever says, I'm a modern day prophet, and they get up on stage and they tell you about the future, that's error according to scripture. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. All Old Testament prophecy has been complete in Christ. Is there more prophecy to come? Yes, we see it in the book of Revelation. But everything about future prophecy from the book of Revelation is written in symbolism so that you won't worry about it. Deal with it. If you want to go to Revelation to make a math problem out of it, you will end up with egg all over your face just like everybody else. You will pick and choose what's symbolic, what's not symbolic. The entire letter of Revelation is symbolic. Just because it's symbolic doesn't mean it's not true. It means it's symbolism. Because God doesn't want you living a neurotic life about coming prophecy. He wants you trusting him. That's why John opens up the letter saying, this is a vision. What's a vision? Symbolism. Okay? And we have nothing to fear. There's nothing for a Christian to fear in the book of Revelation. But we want to scare the hell out of people and, and point to all these different verses in Revelation. Get off of that topic, McMillan. Get back to it. Where was I? <laughs> uh, prophesy, prophecies. Okay. First Corinthians, <laughs> First Corinthians 11. Um, First Corinthians 11. So when a woman prophesies, Paul said, you should have your head covered. Here's another error. 
So some people want to say, you, <laughs> I haven't been really triggered today. Uh, I'm doing good. So some people, some people, <laughs> some people want to say, and, and in certain, certain brands of Christianity, you know, they'll say it's got to be this on your head or that on your head. Not the context. Head covering is not a burqa. It's not a doily. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a scarf. Head covering in the book of 1 Corinthians is hair. It's hair on your head. That's why he said don't have a shaved head when you prophesy. Why would he say that? Because a shaved head in the Corinthian culture meant you were available for purchase for prostitution. This is a cultural issue because if I'm going out here in the city streets and I'm telling people about Jesus as a female and I have my head shaved, do you think they're going to take what I'm saying seriously? Probably not. So when you go out and you prophesy about Jesus, make sure you have your hair grown. Okay? <laughs> so it's so simple, but our modern church has just twisted all of these scriptures into what they are, into what they want us to think they are. But 1 Corinthians 11 proves that if being a pastor is speaking, prophesy means to speak. 1 Corinthians 11 says a woman can prophesy. So that gives us the context for 1 Corinthians 14, which is church order. It's dishonorable if you guys are all asking your husbands questions in the middle of the service when everybody's going crazy. You're going to have visitors and they're going to think you're mad. Uh, you ever been to a church service like that? You walk in, you're like, what in the... What? What? Whoa! Whoa! What is going on here? <laughs> well, take that and multiply it by 10 and then put it in this little bitty house. <laughs> That's what was going on. This has nothing to do with a... a female not being able to be a pastor oh this has been a fun one um <laughs> so can women be pastors absolutely and women are pastors right now there are countless women who have the shepherding gift there are countless women who have a leadership gift there are countless women who are watching this in the future or listening to this and you've been lied to about this gift you have this gift. You know why you have this gift? Because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. You can lead. Don't let your sex stop you. You can teach. Don't let somebody tell you that your sex doesn't give you that ability. You can preach. Never believe the lie that somebody says, you can't do that because you are a female. That's not in the Bible. And they won't be able to stop you. Because God is for you, God is in you, God is with you, God wanted you to be a female, and God wanted you to have this pastoral gift. And what our planet sees today for the, quote, church pastor is man-made. <laughs> You're free. You're gifted. Be yourself. Don't be afraid. Woo, that was the longest pause ever. If you guys are listening to this in the future, you're not gonna you're not gonna know that that pause just happened. It's about a 10 second pause. I'm having where I live. I live in the country, and I, when I do these walk talks, I'm walking in my neighborhood, 
and I go down in a couple different dips here and I always know it's coming, but sometimes it lasts longer. So, um, so I hope this has encouraged you guys today. I hope it's brought to light maybe some errors that you thought or that you had in your mind about can women be pastors? Women can absolutely be pastors. If God has given somebody that gift, <laughs> you are a pastor. Just because that title is not bestowed upon you by man-made tradition does not mean that's not what you have as a gift. Because that's what it is in scripture. It's a gift. It's not a position. <laughs> I would much rather, much rather have a believing female with the gift of leadership, shepherding, pastoring, guide me than an unbelieving male attempt to guide me because they went to seminary and now they call themselves pastor. That's just me. You might be different, <laughs> but that's my thoughts on that. So, so went over all the passages and I hope it has definitely brought to, to light some things that might help you out guys. So, all right, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? If you're a female, you can pastor. Ooh, that was a long pause too. I'm going to button this, this one up because cellular connection is terrible. <laughs> What's the truth? If you're a female and you have the gift of being a pastor, you are a pastor. It doesn't matter what that position of what humanity has come up with. That doesn't matter. That's your gift. Okay. Um, you're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. You are awesome. <laughs> so always be yourself. Always tell the truth about yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.